0: Hey Mount Airy, I'm glad that you're in worship today. I wish I could be with you, but I am with 16 of our folks in Boston as we're joining JD and Natalie Mangrum as they launch their new church this day. And so it's exciting for us to be there with them and to assist them in that big day in the life of the church in Charlestown. I want to tell you about what's happening today here at Mount Airy. i will talk to you first of all about what's going to be happening tonight. Uh, We've been in Financial Peace University, of course, and tonight we're going to suspend that schedule for one Sunday, just for tonight, and we're going back to the old schedule of a 6 o'clock worship service. Now, My brother, Dave Shorter, is going to be preaching tonight. He's bringing his entire church over to our church tonight, and here's what I want to ask you to do. Please come back and be part of that special worship service. Please if you love your pastor at all, don't let my brother bring more people from Calvary Hill to Mount Airy than Mount Airy folks show up. Please be here tonight, 6 o'clock, and you're going to be blessed, I'm sure, about the service this evening with my brother Dave. I want to tell you about our speaker this morning, Reverend Cliff Satterwhite and his wife Barbara are members of our church, and we're happy to have them part of the church family. Uh, Cliff has been working with the South Carolina Baptist Convention uh, for many, many years. He was the director of Cap McCall for 38 years and also headed up the Uh, the state's disaster relief work for 23 years. And so Cliff has been heavily involved in what South Carolina Baptists have been doing for a long time. Uh, He's been in ministry as of February the 14th, been in ministry for 50 years. And he is a special man, he and his wife, we're glad that they're here. And today, you're going to be blessed as he comes to preach God's Word. Would you welcome with me, Reverend Cliff Satterwhite.
1: Thank you Dave and howdy church. When we visited uh, Mount Airy uh, a little more than a year ago we came to this service first and we decided we were older than anybody in here. That's just a joke but we actually found a Sunday school class at this particular time and so we come to the second service and uh, it's like the church we came from in Columbia was Riverland Hills that has 5,000 members and five services. And you run into people all over town, you say, where do you go to church? They'd say Riverland Hills, and we say, we do too. We've never seen you, you know. So as actually, when we came out here, uh, drove by Mount Airy, uh, my wife said, this is going to be our church, just a just look. Then we found that you had every single thing we were looking for. RAs, GAs, disaster relief, good solid biblical preaching, wonderful worship, great Sunday school class, missions locally, missions North America, missions international. And so I said, that's what we're looking for. We want to be a part that. You know, this has been a historic week. Uh, Any of you that have a telephone or read any kind of uh, iPad or newspaper or television, you have seen how much emphasis has been spent on Christianity. Have you ever had a week in your life that you've heard more people talk about the Reverend Billy Graham I don't think I ever have what a great wonderful opportunity for us to be able to take advantage of the platform that he has laid before us last night my wife is disabled and stays a lot of time in the bed And um, if you'd seen her around before, she was in a wheelchair, but um, about a month and a half ago, uh, she had a second surgery to redo her neuromodulator, and she's now walking, praise the Lord, and uh, not walking far, but she's walking. But she stays in that bed, and she's on her iPad and Facebook, and, and she'll watch a little TV with me, even lets me watch my ball games, you know. Or tape them at least and watch them later. Last night, we were talking about this very same thing. What an opportunity the world has had this week to hear about salvation in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So she said, why can't we talk about this all the time? I'm so happy we heard it this week. But I want it to be talked about all the time. And that's my rant. And I said, well, I'll quote you tomorrow. <laughs> and she said, don't you dare. So I'll ask to ask forgiveness about the rant. I also want to, want to welcome uh, some neighbors. I am uh, one of the neighborhood walkers in Benton Park. Uh, most of us are... Um, Marsha, can I say senior adults or close to it? Seasoned adults. Greg and Marsha are are neighbors of ours around the corner, and uh, we invited them to church with us today. Marsha just lost her father up in Indiana, and so we continue to pray for her. You might have noticed this morning before the service, I tried to get to 95% of you and speak to you, What I was doing is what I try to do every time that I preach. I was praying as I walked around this sanctuary that every pew and every person would be able to be in tune with God's message. It's not Cliff's message. It's God's message. Now, I intended to bring a big pallet from home. And we even tried to figure out which one it would be. But of course, I left it. So, being a former camp director and a disaster relief worker, I just found one. Went down to the nursery and found the biggest one I could find. So, in your mind, make it bigger than it really is. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to a very familiar passage, Mark, the second chapter, verses one through five. I call this message Four Corners. I want to ask you a question directly this morning. Answer it in your mind and in your heart. When is the last time that you have carried someone to the foot of Jesus? Think about it for a second. You don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a Sunday school teacher, you don't have to sing beautifully in the praise team, you don't have to be a deacon. You just have to know Jesus as your Savior. You see, in, in Mark 2, 1 through 5, when he entered Capernaum again after some days, now the fact was Jesus had been to Capernaum before, and he had been at Peter's house it was reported that he was at home. Now, since he had been there before and had conducted miracles, boy, the word got out. It was like the fact that, you know, have you heard about the big angles is coming up down here? I mean, Barbara and I laugh. We, we've always called the one down in Easley, Big Church. You know the corner there, 123? We call the angles up here, Little Church. Now, those of you that live in Piedmont or go back toward Anderson, you might not know what I'm talking about, but those of you that live right around here know what I'm talking about. They are getting ready to open up a great big church. Why do I say church? Because we spend more time going shopping and looking for stuff than we do in church. I try to build as many gas mile credits as I can. And I'm going to be so happy when I can drive one mile from my house or less and use my gas credits. My wife will accuse me of going 15 miles out of the way for a $2 coupon. And I'll plead guilty, I do that. The way I look at it, if they're gonna give it to me, go after it. So many people gathered Together, there was no more room. Even near the door. And he, Jesus, was speaking the message to them. Imagine this is about twice or three times the size. When I got to the church this morning, we had everything all timed out. We even looked at two different types of pallets. I had a big McCall blanket, my wife had her grandmother's knitted pallet, or what do you call it, baby, quilt, I have to be corrected a lot, in fact, every dress or outfit she had as a little girl was in squares on that quilt, she said, I haven't washed it yet since we got it from her mother a couple weeks ago. So she said, go on and put it on the floor. It won't be a problem. What did I do? I forgot. But four people were concerned about someone who needed to go to the foot of Jesus. I'm going to name those people for you today. The first one could be named Concerned. I guess that's that first corner right here. Do you have concern about things in the world today? My goodness. We're news people. Some people will say, I, I don't want to watch the news because it's all just horrible. Horrible. Because of the many years I did disaster relief, I needed to kind of figure out what was going on all over the world because I traveled all over the world. My wife used to work at the State Senate, so she was kind of up to date on a whole lot of things going on. So we're news people, and boy, when you turn the news on, you see so much tragedy. When we lived in Columbia for over 40 years, we thought that everybody got murdered in Sumter or Orangeburg. Every third person because we heard it on the news all the time. Now that we've moved up here, we think it's either Spartanburg or Anderson County. (laughs) Reality hurts sometimes. But this first-person concern is something that we all have in mind. How many of us know someone with cancer or know someone who is seriously ill and we pray for them desperately but sometimes we need to go a step beyond that we need to turn that concern into compassion i've traveled for years i I don't even know how many miles i've put on the road in south carolina and all over the united states as a speaker and as a trainer My wife had had me on one of my, quote, you'll be better if you lose 15 pound diets. And I I told her it was genetic, you know. The other thing that I think must be genetic is the fact you've heard that I have a lisp. If you'll look on the first four rows all the way over, no one is sitting here. I was driving to meet with a pastor and I pulled up in one of the, um, you ever heard of a, Q, a QT? Whew. Man, I thought 7 Elevens were big back in the day. I pulled up to the side, and she had perfectly made me her famous tuna fish sandwich on whole wheat bread, of course, had cut it in half. I had about six carrot sticks, she said they were good for me to chew in my teeth. And then after she left for work back a couple years ago, I got a a sleeve of chocolate chip Oreo cookies, just in case my blood sugar went down, had that all with me, and I was going to eat lunch. Even had a bottle of water, even though I really do like Diet Mountain Dew. I'm sitting there, and I'm starting to eat my sandwich. I see one of the dirtiest, nastiest-looking people that I've ever seen. And as I finished the first half of that sandwich, I watched him as he looked around and climbed into the dumpster and I thought you know I have a good job and wonderful family I have three grown children six wonderful grandchildren we never ever are hungry roll my window down now, my wife had been with me. She said, don't you dare. I'm scared to death, you know, this kind of thing. But she wasn't with me. She prays for me all the time. And I felt her prayers. As I said, excuse me, sir. He said, I, I didn't mean to. I said, I got out of the car, and I said, I've got some lunch here. And he had his hand at a fast food bag trying to find the scraps wrapped up in there. And I said, I've got a sandwich here and some carrots. Hadn't quite yet decided where I was going to give them the chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) The the reason was I, I didn't want my blood sugar to go too low and to suffer. By the way, they were not on Barbara's diet for me, but... You know, sometimes you have to be prepared. And I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to turn you in. I just want to give you some food. He looked at me like I was crazy. I took it over to the dumpster and handed it to him. And yes, I did give him the sleeve of chocolate chip cookies. You know, that's very simple. Explanation of compassion. There's probably hundreds and hundreds more that each of us could think about. But you have to grab at least the concern-compassion corner. This is a double C. You've got to grab that corner first before you can carry someone to the foot of Jesus. You know, as the scripture goes on and says, then they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Uh, I would like to say four people, but the scripture says four men. It takes sometimes more than just one person to share Christ with someone. Alexander McLaren, I've got his books in my library, and as I was researching this week, he painted such a beautiful picture of the fact that Jesus had been to this home before. This home was probably made out of earth and clay. It only had one story. It probably wasn't very big. Because homes in Palestine during this time were not mansions. They had a a walkway up to the top. And the roof was made out of clay. Can you just imagine the thinking that these people had when they came over the hill and they saw all of they probably figured out Tuesday would be a good day to do it because traffic's light on Tuesday. You know, you can get a break on, on meals sometime. Sometimes you get a free drink on Tuesday somewhere because people don't always go out on Tuesday. Let's assume it was a Tuesday. They said, you know, this is a good day to go. Well, the second corner up here on this pallet has got to be named cooperation. It takes cooperation of fellow Christians to be able to help get someone to the foot of Jesus. We do not do this by ourselves. The pastor's not the responsible person. The church staff is not the responsible person. The Sunday school teachers or the deacons or those who sing so beautifully in our church are not the responsible people to help get someone to the foot of Christ. They all work together. It's called cooperation. You know, for... Over 40 years, I've worked for the Baptist Convention. Went in at 26 years old, greener than a gourd. Didn't know nothing. I'm talking about, I'm director of Camp McCall, the biggest royal ambassador camp in the Southern Baptist Convention, and I kind of played it blind that first year. 38 years later, They named the chapel after my wife and I. Every day when I leave the house, she says, Don't you mess that up. Cooperation. The cooperative program, which is the blood life of Southern Baptists, helping get the word to those who need to see Jesus. I'll never forget a guy on my staff worked with me 17 years altogether. He's now, um, what kind of missionary is he? Oh, he's the kind of missionary that goes without being called. He's just come back from Israel where he's been for about 18 months. Tried to get him jobs with the International Mission Board. He won't take them because he said, if God tells me three weeks from now that I need to go somewhere else, I don't want to be tied down. His name is Remus. That's his nickname. You know, the most wonderful thing that happens at Camp McCall is the fact that for years and years and years on our decision service, hundreds of boys come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I would guess about 20,000 boys during my 38 years walk the aisle to personally profess Jesus Christ as their Savior. going to full-time Christian service. I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. No one else sees it because it happens on top of that mountain in Sunset, South Carolina. And Remus prayed and wanted more boys than ever to come. But one decision service night, we had a problem before supper. Our system of sewage backed up bathhouses, health center, kitchen, not a pretty picture. Not a plumber on the staff. We knew where the manhole was, and Remus, a veteran staffer who would have had an opportunity that night to receive boys, said, I'm going down in the manhole. We set up lights. An hour and a half later, when we came down from the top of the mountain, the lights were still on, and Remus was up to here. And you know what? But before the lights went off that night, he totally cleaned out the septic system, the sewage, to where camp could continue to run on that night with showers and the next day with breakfast. And I call that cooperation. He wanted to be in the chapel, but he knew that he could do the job in the sewage. So he's on the second corner up there, cooperation. You know, everything needs a challenge. And and I think these four men knew that their friend needed to go to the foot of Jesus. So this corner over here has got to be a challenge. It's got to be a challenge. They probably knew that many people wanted to see Jesus. But when they crossed over that hill to see the house made of earth and clay, people were everywhere. They could have very easily been disturbed. Disappointed and said, listen, let's come back on Thursday. Let's take our friend back and we can come back another day because the crowds are massive. We'll never get near the house. One one night at camp, the staff always sings at McCall and uh, the director and the assistant director are up there and we see the campers. And on the next to last row one night, the campers were horrible. They were flicking each other in the air and doing that. If you ever taught boys in Sunday school, you know what I'm talking about, or VBS. They were boys. They were doing, but as we honed in on it during the three songs we sang, we saw which one was the main culprit. So, boy, I tell you what, we didn't have to say a word to each other. We'd read each other's mind as we started sitting down. We didn't stop. We didn't sit down. We just went right back to that next to last row and picked him up by his ears and escorted him out the back of the chapel. And if you've been to camp, you know, that's on a mountain that goes downhill. If you take them down far enough, nobody else can hear you. And I said, son, what is your problem? You do not act that way in God's house. He didn't say a thing. I said, what happens to you in school when you act that way? Go to the principal. I said, what would your mama say if I called her right now? I'm going to say nothing because she's dead. I'm starting to backpedal a little bit. I said, how about your daddy? He's in jail for killing my mama. I knew the next question was where do you stay? Because it's not necessarily where do you live. Where do you stay? And folks, I'm talking about a lot of people today. Where do you stay? Well, they're not sure. I'm at camp this week. I think I'm going up to Ohio next week with an aunt that doesn't want me. I looked at Hancho and I said. Oh, Um, we need to do a contract with you because the next person I have to call would be the sheriff. We can't have behavior like that. Later on that night after the canteen, which I provided is free, always kind of helps. We signed a contract that uh, he would not act that way again. You know what? He made it through the rest of the week. Thursday night, he was the first boy to walk down the aisle. He came directly to me, and he reached his hand out. you think that man, Jesus, we've been talking about all week, could love a boy as bad as me? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, sometimes it's a challenge with some people that we want to lead to the foot of Jesus. You know, the the fourth corner of this palette would have to be we've got concern, compassion, and we've got cooperation, We've got challenge. This fourth corner would have to be confidence. Is it easy for you just to go up to your neighbor and talk about your church? Is it easy for you to go up to someone you have never met before and talk about Jesus? It's not for me. It's hard. You know when I'm the best witness? When I'm overseas and I have an interpreter And I say what I want to say and the interpreter tells them in their language and then, you know, they get a smile on their face and then I come back. That's the easy part. It's an easy thing to be able to do to be a Billy Graham Crusade counselor. Some of you have been that. You come down to the front. It's easier. But you've got to have confidence. I was in... Rio, Brazil, a number of years ago, and I was preaching in a favela, a horrible, nasty uh, place where they told me that you just can be very, very careful what you say and what you do, stay on the, on the lighted path. And I was preaching and I had an interpreter, and uh, I said, you cannot be a wimpy, whiny witness. And my interpreter said, what? What does, what does wimpy whiny mean? And I said, I, I guess I didn't make it clear. You can't apologize for what you want to say. You need to know what you're talking about. And you need to hit it with confidence. And it can bounce right back at you sometimes. You know... We've got compassion concern on one corner. We've got cooperation on that front corner. Back over here, we have the challenge, and then over here, we have confidence. As we go back to the scripture, since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above where he was And when they had broken through, they lowered the stretcher on which the paralytic was lying. Can you just imagine? This story is probably told from someone who was inside the house sitting or standing close to Jesus. Peter, the proprietor of the home, probably wondered, what is the ruckus on top of my roof? And all of a sudden, there comes stuff down onto the area where people are standing and sitting. And then there's a hole in the roof, and it's big enough to lie a person down. You know, in the scripture, it never mentions the name of the four people who carried or the name of the person on the pallet, which means it could be anybody. And the fifth verse is our key verse. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. It takes a number of folks to work together to bring someone to the foot of Jesus. I challenge you today, When's the next time you're going to bring someone to the foot of Jesus? Which corner of the pallet